Hello and welcome to a brand new Five Heart Podcast on the, the, the thank you very much on coordination.com, part of SB Nation. I am Greg Mahachko. Joining me is the man, the myth, and we're so damn glad he's here, Hoss Reuter. We're coming off of a victory, Hoss. It was. I'll tell you what. It, it felt good. I didn't shed a tear. I didn't roll a tear, but I was close when Nebraska lined up in that victory formation Saturday night homecoming game. A 35-21 victory over the Indiana Hoosiers. It seems like a long time ago, but it, it, it's been less than a week. But let's go back to that Saturday night, man. Uh, first of all, uh, welcome to the show. Good, good seeing you again. Well. Glad to be back. Um, yeah, that felt good to win one. Um, it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, I don't know how many Office fans are out there, if you're an Office fan, but Kevin Malone, after uh, the meeting with the five families where he says it's been rough after Stacy had left him, it's just nice to win one. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice to win one. So, yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, man, I almost forgot what that's like. And especially a conference win and not eking something out either, you know. You win a game 35-21, you know, that's a pretty commanding win. Um, we can talk about it, oh, it's just Indiana. Yeah, sure. But, again, we're at this point, we're Nebraska. And I don't mean that in the sense of we're Nebraska, we're going to beat everybody out there. Right. We're Nebraska. We need to be cognizant of where we've been. So it's great to celebrate a win like we just had. Hell, yeah, let's go win another one tomorrow night. It's a it's a cross division game, uh, as you mentioned. Indiana came in and they were one and zero in conference play. They had an opening week win against Illinois. Illinois now uh, they're coming off of a, a win against Wisconsin that put the Badgers zero and two. Welcome Owen, welcome Cornhusker uh, Corner, uh, Cornhusker Corner. I could not agree more. Well, you, you got to tell me that so I can highlight these things. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, if we make a run for the West, prepare for the weirdest season of all time. It is, you know, you start the, right. You start the season uh, with a week zero game in Ireland against uh, a, a division foe in Northwestern, and you lose by three. Talk about the saddest, quietest flight home, uh, you know, assuming, you know, people were sad about the win and not, you know, enjoying the Jameson and Guinness on the way home like, possible um <laughs> but uh you're tied for first in the big 10 west um iowa has not looked sharp um they i don't i can't say they performed better than anticipated against michigan but wisconsin's zero and two and they fired paul christ uh, uh earlier this week uh minnesota did not look great against purdue but that was again without uh muhammad ibrahim uh, uh Illinois, I mentioned, lost to the same Indiana team that Nebraska beat, and then they turn around and and beat Wisconsin. So this is it's an odd year right now, and and we're coming up we, we, two weeks in a row where we have cross division games again, as you mentioned, uh, Rutgers on a Friday night. I want to talk about that at the end of the show. I want to get your take, um, but let's go back to last Saturday a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Jack the Ripper uh, asks, where the hell is John? Is he in rehab? Uh, for those of you who don't know, maybe you saw it on YouTube. Uh, I got to actually spend some time with John Dam Johnston this past Saturday. I watched the Minnesota-Purdue game with him. Uh, he, he opened up his home. Uh, he and his family were more than gracious and hospitable. Uh, but that 
Nebraska-Indiana game, Haas, it kicked off at 6.30. It did not get over until like 10 o'clock. That was a long damn football game. And for a team like Nebraska that's, you know, holding on in a fan base that's holding on to hope and trying to, like, let's just get out of here um, with a, a, a win, it seemed like it went on forever. Did it not? Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like it went on forever and it seemed like it was like three different games all rolled into one, but we scored to go up seven, nothing. And then have the chance, you know, got to stop and got the ball back again. It felt like it could have been like that 2018 Nebraska, Minnesota game. We raced out to a 28, nothing lead for the first win of the season in 2018. And then just enough little mistakes kind of came creeping in and Indiana adjusted and they clawed back in the game. But by the time it's over, to get to your point about how long the game was, by the time you get to the end of the game and Casey Thompson's in the victory formation taking a knee, you almost forget that at one point you felt like you were going to blow the game wide open. You know, that's it was just – it was a long game, and uh, I'm not a big fan of – you got shoes that are 31, huh? Okay, bearded man, baby. Um <laughs> Long game, and it was just one of those deals where survive in advance. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, Haas is exceptionally knowledgeable. Uh, don't let his baby face, don't let his baby face fool you. Uh, he's forgotten more about, he, he he's learning under the, uh, or has learned under some of the, the, the greatest uh, football philosophers out there. You know, he, he has a, a prized possession in Milt Teneper's book that he will never let out of his sight. Uh, he carries two books with him everywhere he goes, even to the grocery store. It's the pipeline in the Holy Bible. Uh, and, and he takes them everywhere. Uh, he, he, if, if he, we were just talking about this before we went live. It is, he is so adorable. <laughs> He's also single lady. So. <laughs> um, but we were just talking about this before going live, and and just to, you know, for the first timers or, or, or the, the folks who haven't been around the Five Heart Podcast from the beginning, uh, Haas, you stepped in in a, a great time. Um, it for me, I mean, not not great time, but but I needed some assistance uh, for, to keep the podcast going because Brian was in the hospital, and then you know we all know what happened with that. But you brought originally came to coronation because you were doing a uh, very thorough uh, uh, play uh, breakdowns in um, uh-huh. analytics. And so, series. Thank you. Yes. I'm glad you remember. Cause I, I don't. Uh, so not my name for it. Brian told <laughs> that name. I was just like, here's a breakdown. Here's lead quarterback, lead draw and why stick. And yeah, here you go. Like, he he was the creative uh, creative license behind it. He 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 was also uh, to credit slash blame for detasseling the Huskers, which is the first podcast he and I had here on on Coronation, which was all um, you know like mailbag you know Q and A type stuff. Yeah, he would have know. loved he would have loved this live stream format because it, it, well, remember how bad heart attack to get. How mad he used to get in the corn nation after dark Slack chat, you know, and it would just be random topics people would be talking about. Yeah, and, and a lot of uh, uh, all caps. Um, but let, let's go back to Saturday night. Yeah. 
Yeah. Talk about adjustments. Nebraska made a key adjustment it, it, at halftime because they shut out uh, Indiana in the second half and I think only gave up 74, 75 yards of offense. Yeah, and for the, for the game, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think it was like five yards or nine yards of offense in the fourth quarter. For the game, it was 67 yards rushing and 223 yards passing for 290 yards. I don't care if anyone says, oh, it's just Indiana. We haven't beat – we haven't held anybody to numbers like that in a while, especially right. an in-game conference opponent. In today's college football, that's a huge deal to hold somebody to under 300 yards. And what – you know, basically they only score 14 points because, you know, their other touchdown came when, you know, Chubba Purdy was in. Uh, at, on our own goal line, and it was a sack fumble for a defensive touchdown. I have uh, some thoughts written down. I don't know if we want to get to them now, but some thoughts written down about the defense and about, you know, Bill Bush getting these guys ready. But that was huge performance that I really didn't see coming. It, it's, I mean, you talk about, I'm going to uh, highlight what Cornhusker Corner here is saying. Uh, what the hell is with let's not tackle and practice and play a soft zone in the game and just hope we are physical approach of the last coaching staff blows my mind. You hit the nail on the head. You, you held Indiana in and let's, let's do away with uh, it's just Indiana because like you mentioned a few minutes ago, at this point we're just Nebraska and it's not like there, there's nothing lofty about us, but this like is when the people say, act like you've been there before. We haven't. Right. We haven't for quite some time now. It's okay to uh, feel like an upstart again. Here's Brian with it and, uh, something about the past coaching staff methods at the upper was not, uh, was a not so beautiful mystery as Aaron Rodgers would say. But yeah. this is by and large, you had the bye week, right? But it's the same personnel. And I know Mickey Joseph was making some adjustments on the fly and, and, and you know, Maybe not just him, Bill Bush as well, but but it's we didn't have a, a roster turnover in two weeks, so it's the same guys who got gashed by uh, Georgia Southern um, and, and didn't look that great against North Dakota. Uh, you know the the struggles they had against Northwestern. Know how to defend counter against Northwestern, and and then. I guess maybe with the benefit of hindsight and what we've seen from Oklahoma the last two weeks, it, you know, I mean, it, and, and I'm not going to crap on Oklahoma because their quarterback got knocked out of the game early uh, against, I think it was TCU, right? Um, yep. So whatever, whatever adjustments were made in practice, we saw the dividends of it in the game. Uh, Cornhusker Corner, you know, followed up and saying uh, they started tackling in practice and played a lot of man in the game. What do you know? Miles better. You but are that, that's That's what I wanted to point out when Cornhusker Corner typed that as a comment. Early in the game, I noticed against Indiana, we switched from being passive and keeping two safeties deep because we don't want to get beat by the deep ball to being in single high coverage and – Post snap, after the ball snap, being in a cover three and a pattern matching, you know, where guys are carrying receivers through the zones instead of just spot dropping like Chenander loved to do. And um, we looked well prepared. Like as a defense, it looked like we had coaches who actually went through the film during the week of preparation, figured out what Indiana's favorite alignments and tendencies were, 
and then devised a defensive game plan where they put players in position to succeed. I mean, we looked like we weren't getting beat before the snap. We had guys in position. We weren't giving up soft edges or big cushions. Like, guys knew where they were supposed to align. They knew how to execute their assignment. And so that was big to see. And, I mean, it's no surprise that you see it, saw some marked improvement through, you know, one game with Bill Bush's defensive coordinator because he is a good coach. He's been around a lot of good football minds at Utah under Urban Meyer. Um uh, you know, with Dave Aranda at Utah State, Wisconsin, and LSU. So, guy knows defensive football, and I'm encouraged by it. Now, are we going to be the 85 Bears? No, we're not the 85 Bears. But just don't get beat by being passive, you know. Give yourself a chance. I I think that, and, you know, we saw some comments already about the officiating and – Oh, Big Ten officiating is, yeah. And we've known it for a decade, right? But at least I I say this, uh, I I don't know, haphazardly or whatever, um, at least it was was called on both sides, right? (laughs) I mean, they were were pretty even. I don't think there was anything really egregious one way or the other. Um, But – I I completely forgot where I was with my initial – Oh, the Turner Corker and – punch you know i said that he punched an opposing player like maybe it's semantics but i wouldn't exactly call it a punch an open-handed slap yeah sure you know but uh you know that crew just they they seem to be really dialing in on what the big 10 wants addressed by officials because every conference has that they they tell their officials to really emphasize certain things you know call certain things in games this crew must have been the one that they just got done reading the rule book and they were all full of piss and vinegar to go out there and uh, enforce the rules. I, I'm, I'm mad at myself uh, because I got talking about the officials and I forgot the other quality uh, statement that I was going to make uh, that, that was going to be more um, specific towards the actual game. Um I guess maybe about the officiating is when we think about. Oh, I know what just came back to me. Some of those mistakes were just pure mental errors, you know. Some, but it's speaking specifically about the defense. I, I'm okay if there's a penalty or or you know it if you're you're playing from the side of being too aggressive, you know, uh, rather than being more passive, you know, um, what, what is the old coach's cliche? Like, Hey, if you get called for holding, that's better than giving up, you know, a, a sack or safety or, or, you know, something, something. It, there, there's, there's a certain um, goal line or, or benchmark. They're like, okay, we'll take the penalty. You know, uh, the, the, the classic example is you take the, especially at the college levels, you take the DPI rather than giving up a big touchdown, you know? Yep. Excuse the yawn there. All of a sudden, it hit me out of nowhere. I, it, it, am I boring you? Do we need to call it an no, early night? No, no. Like, just about <laughs> long. It's Squattober right now. So, it's Squattober? Five days a week. And uh, you're squatting, doing some variation of volume and intensity of squats each day. Um, it's great for, you know, staying active, but I'm really at the same time tired. But you are not boring in this discussion because 
and it just the train just left the station. I was going to recite what you had just said in my own thoughts, and I look like a real asshole here about uh, you know making a making an aggressive uh, mistake rather than a passive mistake. Yeah, and that that's a point that as we're lining up in single high with the single high safety, and we're playing cover three or some variation of it after the snap. We're getting an extra defender into the box, you know, against the run, being plus one to the run fit. Are there going to be times that really, you know, smart offensive coordinators are going to figure out a way to gap us out, meaning they take, you know, they get a hat on a hat on everybody, they run people off deep, you know, they out leverage the entire defense. Yeah, that's going to happen. And we're going to get burned a few times as we're playing more aggressively. I'd rather get burned playing aggressively than get burned just playing two high safeties. You know, like great example would be Jackson Smith and Jigba's touchdown against us last year when we were playing Ohio State. Yeah, we're playing, you know, two safeties eight yards off the ball, you know, because Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams were big in the run game. You know, they were playing a cover two shell. Boom. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba still creases us on a double post concept. You can get beat being passive just as easily as you can get beat being aggressive. So you might as well be aggressive and give yourself a chance. I want to talk about uh, while we're talking about penalties, um, Matt's got a great point here uh, as we talk about the pre-snap uh, penalties mm-hmm. being. I mean, the, some of those procedural ones, man. Uh, That's all mental. You're you're in control of those ones. Uh, holding, pass interference, stuff like that. They can be dumb in certain situations, but Really, at the end of the day, those are effort penalties. Pre-snap penalties are just lapses in concentration. Yep. All between the ears. Matt uh, says, and I'm sure we would have gotten there, but let's just jump to it. Let's talk about how amazing of a job Bill Bush has done since taking over the defense. Realize that he took over two days after the Oklahoma loss. And Mickey Joseph comes out and says, this whole first week, you know, the bye week is Nebraska versus Nebraska. You know, we're not really looking at any – any, uh, and that might have been Coach Beach. I, I'm not in practice. I don't know. But he said we're going to get back to basics and fundamentals. Um, and then they, they prep for Indiana. So it, I think for one of the things that, that, especially in the last couple of years, that frustrated me so much about – Eric Shenander's approach is the bend, but don't break. And and I think earlier, you know, I'm probably on the record earlier in this season, maybe leading up, uh, maybe it was one of our live chats, maybe not. Um, but I said, yeah, you know, when you bend it, don't break. Maybe you, you give the, the uh, offense more opportunities to make a mistake, but man, that yeah, is some, we had that conversation on, on this very podcast, but that is some mind numbing football. And, and the problem was, with with the defense, it was bend and then break. You know, <laughs> like there was no there was there was never really a hold. To, to kind of parlay this conversation into potential coaches at Nebraska, you know, you got a guy like Dave Aranda, who's a defensive minded head coach. You got a guy like Matt Campbell, who's a defense maybe not a defensive minded head coach because he's more of an offensive line guy, but he has a very good. Uh, defensive coordinator John Heacock from his time at Iowa State. And uh, basically, Iowa State likes to be a little more passive. Bend but don't break. They, they're they good tacklers. 
they pursue really well, but they they're bend but not break because it's easier to develop safeties and corners than it is to recruit big time defensive linemen to Ames, Iowa. Conversely, you have Dave Aranda's defense that's a little bit more, you know, aggressive, get after it, using sub packages and you know, generating a pass rush and using trap coverages. If I had to choose right now, do I want Matt Campbell and John Heacock at Nebraska or Dave Aranda? I'm going to go with Dave Aranda based solely in this discussion about defensive football. We need to be aggressive. We can't sit back playing passively because if you're trying to hedge against everything, if you're trying to defend against the deep ball and you're trying to have guys in position to defend against the outside run, it's kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. You're right. going to get beat eventually, you know? And like Cornhusker Corner again, like he's got some great comments tonight, and that's the truth right there. Uh, so Cornhusker Corner says for our uh, folks on the audio version coming out Friday morning, bend but don't break is like in boxing. Wow, that guy can really take a punch and keeps on going. The heart, first of all, a little offended. This is the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, meanwhile, the dude is getting the crap beat out of him. You're right. Uh, he is. Uh, uh, that, that's for sure the, the mentality. And eventually you have to swing back. And I liked some of the packages that Bill Bush dialed up this past week. Again, uh, I'm not I'm not going to say it's just Indiana. Indiana, uh, they're, they're not going to win the East, but they have beaten us before, you know, in yeah. recent memory. So it's not like it, we're not we're not to a point where any win should be expected, right? <laughs> uh, At this point, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to borrow a phrase from the Sopranos here, paraphrase it very loosely. Sometimes the sailing's smooth, sometimes it's into the rocks. You take your pleasures where, where you can. If our would, pleasure's beating Indiana, beating Rutgers in back-to-back weeks to go three and, you know, get our record at three and three, that's what we need to take pleasure in. Wade has a question from uh, watching on YouTube. Why does our defense stay back 10 yards every play while the teams we're playing got hands on our guys right away? Um, I, first of all, I to address that, I thought that in the Indiana game, they were maybe not across the board every time, but I thought more frequently than we had seen, they were playing up uh, towards the line and maybe trying to get some of that initial contact. Um, let's let's talk, you know, kind of basic strategies, uh why, what, what's the benefit of playing uh, 10 yards off the line? Now, Sorry, I'm laughing at Fred's uh, latest comment. Uh, well, what, what, you know. All right, let's, uh, jump, to, let's jump to that real quick. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. All right. Fred Same says, back. former head coach took his pleasure where he could, that's for sure. Okay, let's go. Come on now. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah, Wade, back, back to your comment. Back to your comment. Why does our defense stay back 10 yards every play while the other defenses are playing down, got hands on our guys right away? A lot of the teams that we're playing, they feel like, and I'm just you know going based off what I've observed, they probably feel like, hey, this team, their offensive line's not very good in pass protection. We can get pressure with just four. We don't need to be in any sort of zone coverage. You know, We can just be in man, mug the receivers off the line of scrimmage, and you know disrupt their timing because we don't need to worry about getting beat deep because their pass protection is not going to stand up to give the quarterback time us on the other hand we know we can't get pressure just with four 
you know, we've always had to generate pressure with blitzes and plus pressures. Um, so we're really thinking, let's not get beat deep. Let's keep our guys a little bit further back so they can react to a short route so they can, you know, gain depth on a deeper route if the defender keeps going past, you know, seven yards without making a break. So really it just comes down to we're trying to, uh, we're trying to protect against getting beat deep because we can't get pressure on the quarterback. I want to uh, jump topics here real quick. Logan Wilson asks, can an OU fan come on here and grieve? Uh, Dion says, yeah, welcome in, in Boomer Sooner. And, and poor Logan, he says he's down bad. Go Frogs. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to address I – want, I want to ask Lo, Logan Hingtight here uh, and, and answer my question if you can in the chat is – what's your take on this Scott Frost curse? Because every team that beat Nebraska has, you know, had some, had some down weeks, uh, you know, after that. So something's got to be good. When Oklahoma beat us, they were number six in the country. Two games later, they are unranked. It, it, I don't know. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, Chris Kleiman has Oklahoma's number. For for whatever reason, he has given Oklahoma problems. I he beat him in nineteen. I believe he beat him in twenty. Lost to him last year, and they beat him this year. So he's three and one against those guys through four years at Kansas State. And as for TCU, I did not see that one coming. Uh, but. They probably looked at the tape from what Kansas State did against Oklahoma, and they incorporated a lot of the same things with Max Dugan from Council Tucky, Iowa, Council Bluffs, Iowa. You know, uh, they incorporated a lot of the same things, a lot of counter concepts. So, you know, OU's got to figure out how to defend the quarterback run, and I think Venables will. I mean, Venables is one of the better defensive minds in the entire country, but yeah, maybe the Nebraska curse is real. <laughs> uh, speaking of the curse, it's uh, perfectly timed. Cornhusker Corner again, uh, bringing some good ones tonight. Uh, curse is lifted. We got rid of him, and now we win the West. And Mickey goes into next season with a full head of steam in a top 15 class. One can dream. Um, meanwhile, Logan does answer the question. Uh, I don't know what to say. The, that frost bastard better keep his paws away from our program. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how we are going to the SEC soon. Yeah. Just means more. Um, by the way, did you see the Photoshop of Scott Frost in a Colorado Buffalo gear? I did. I did. That made me chill. You know what? I think he probably ends up at Arizona State, though. Okay. I mean, they're looking Which for a new head coach, too. Him in Tempe. I don't know how good of an idea that is for him or how good of an idea that is for Tempe. I don't it is think a bit of a party like town, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think that's exactly mutually beneficial for either of them, unless it's, you know, <laughs> your hedonism. Uh, again, jumping off topic, we will talk more about the, the football game on Saturday. But, but yes, we do want to acknowledge the uh, Husker volleyball team. They did uh, sweep Michigan State. Uh, I did catch the very end of that second set, which they, uh, they barely edged out 25-23. Uh, and then it was – it was all downhill after that. So, um, well done to I love the, the most. Tips, man. Hmm. 
I love the adjectives, you know, and everything that he's used, you know, in this comment. Bro broke off the Lady Spartan's arms and pummeled them with the bloody stumps. <laughs> um, lots of uh, comments that have been in. I've, I've been uh, pinning a few of these for future uh, aspects of the conversation, but about Matt Davison, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. I mean, we don't. I, I don't know anything. I'm, I live in Illinois. I don't have any inside scoop. Haas lives in Eastern Nebraska. That's all I'm allowed to say. I don't know. Omaha. Eastern Nebraska. I'm an Omaha guy. Eastern Nebraska. You're a Gretna Dragon. You know it. Yeah, I know, but I'm I, I'm an Omaha guy at heart. Well, all I know is that whether or not Haas has inside sources, I'm not uh, at liberty to divulge. Uh, the the access that the, he has to the program, and he's not going to go into any rumor and innuendo um, on this show. All I'll say is there was a comment way earlier about Matt Davison, how he became a senior level AD after hire, after Frost got hired. And that just reeks of cronyism and like it's an oligarchy in this program because he did nothing more except be friends with the guy. That's it. I mean, Matt Davison caught one pass 25 years ago in Columbia, Missouri. All of a catch. It was a nice catch. But... He should have never had that position, and I agree with Brian here. Uh, Davison should have been out right away. I mean, just uh, the, the shit that he would talk on the radio broadcast in the last year of Riley and then the same dour attitude he had after Frost has been fired. It's just like, good Lord. You know, it's like be an adult. We need adults running this program again. We don't need to have it be a bunch of, you know, bunch of frater frat boys you know like this is big time college football it's a big time business you know leave that shit outside you know be a professional yeah um I, yeah i mean we i don't know how how much we want to get into uh I'm hitting i don't want to go i don't want to go down that road too much no. right my, my question is <sighs> After Frost was relieved of his duties after the Georgia Southern game, my bigger question is, why wasn't Shenander gone that day too? You know, that is a really good question. Probably wanting to maintain some semblance of normalcy. But I think I'm a big believer in like what Dick Vermeil used to say. Uh, there's no easing into a street fight. You just rip off Ooh. the bandit. You know, I think it should have just been a clean break all at once. Uh, look, it it wasn't going to change the outcome of Oklahoma. You know, <laughs> that 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 wasn't going to happen. Um, Bill Bush wasn't going to come in on Monday morning and and set the defense aright and and figure out how to stop Dylan Gabriel's sixty-one yard touchdown run that changed the course of the game. But when we look at Indiana, we look at you know. Uh, some really impactful offensive gameplay. Um, Anthony Grant continued to just churn his legs and go. No uh, um, A.J. Allen, um, but Trey Palmer is a dude. And Casey Thompson came to play. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Grant is, what, the eighth leading rusher in the country with already 600 yards. So he's – playing at a level that we have only seen from, you know, Amir Abdullah and Divino Zigbo over the past eight years. 
Trey Palmer's break, you know, he's on pace to break records at Nebraska and Casey Thompson's playing well, you know. Um, the scheme is still doing them no favors, all in all. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a fan of Whipple's scheme. I just, you know, it's effective to a point, but it gets too predictable and there's a lot of tendencies, like the use of the tackle over formation. And we get to a point every game where the scripted drive looks great to start out the game. You know, we go down and score. But one of the problems that emerges is we don't adjust to it right away, and they, other opposing teams take away Trey Palmer for a good you know stretch of the middle part of the game, second quarter, third quarter. And so, what what I think, and this is just for whatever it's worth, a guy sitting on his office chair in you know Eastern Nebraska, I think that you saw an identity emerge against Indiana. I think that you can start to see, like, what are we good at? Well, Anthony Grant's a violent runner. You know, let's get into pistol formations and run inside and outside zone. If that's going to be our bread and butter, what do we do from there for a passing game? Play action and bootlegs off of play action out of the pistol. And then lastly, um, you know, I think we need to move Thompson around more. Sprint him out, roll him out, because – you know, the offensive line is not good enough in pass protection for him just to sit back in the pocket. We saw it late against Indiana where we hit Trey Palmer on a few kind of sprint right, sprint left options where, you know, on a sail route, you know. And uh, that could be a big integral part of the offense moving forward. Um, what would I say Whipple's scheme is, as Fred asks? It's Fred, Fred and Shane both asked this. I want to make sure Shane yeah. got his due. Oh, yep. Thank you, Shane, as well. Um it's a, it's a pro-style spread. It's kind of uh, the, the best comparison that I could really think of for it would be like the proto-spread offenses, the early spread offenses from like Oklahoma and Florida State in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so um, I there are elements of it that I like, but all in all, I'm not a big fan of the scheme. I just think that it does, it's not modern college football. It's not – what needs to be done to really exploit modern defenses. But I think the guy's pragmatic enough to go with what works. While we're talking about a scheme, uh, and Weston wants to know, what did everyone think of his interview? Uh, because he sure said some things. Yeah, he did. He did. Imagine uh, imagine Bob Diaco saying that, oh, five years ago, you know. Oh, God. And in the West, you know, caught baby lifting up a coffee table, you know, as that conversation went. Um, I think I think he's right from a coaching standpoint. You know, he's got to inject some confidence in these guys, you know, saying, hey, uh, you know, let's go out there. You know, the, these guys don't believe they can win the West. I think they can win the West. And I also liked, as Dion points out, he liked whips feistiness, you know, what he said about how he's a better coach when he's a dick to everybody. I thought that was pretty funny as well. Um, it, and, and let's face it, Nebraska is tied for the lead in the Big Ten West. Yeah. And Wisconsin's 0-2. And Minnesota, Minnesota without Mo Ibrahim looks disorganized. Um, 
And, and yeah, they also against us last year. They were without Muhammad Ibrahim and uh, Tanner Morgan completed sixteen in a row to start the game on us. So I still think I still think Minnesota is the class of the West. There, Chief. You talking to me or are you talking to everybody? You know, you know what you call me, Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what's that? You're gonna start calling you guy. That, that, okay, okay, guy. No, just Skipper's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Iowa is. I was on shaky ground, wouldn't you say? I mean, they their offense struggles, uh, and. And I think the, the defense does not know how to call an offense. I found that out. That's what Iowa fans call Brian Ferentz, the haircut. The haircut. They are the I, Kirk and Brian Ferentz are the Biff Tannins of college football from Back to the Future. They are the Biff Tannins of college football. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're just you know they're stuck in their ways. They're boorish, you know. I mean, like Kirk seems like a pretty decent dude, all in all. Like, but. You know, Brian Ferentz just seems like a first-class tool. But, like, they're the Biff Tannins of college football. And I'm going to laugh because I think Iowa fans are starting to get a little case of, uh, you know, they're starting to get envious looking at Nebraska. You know, we fired Frost. Wisconsin fired uh, Chris. Illinois rolling with Bielema in year two. Flex got it going at Minnesota. Brom is Brom at Purdue. Great coach, but, man, they lose some inexplicable games. Right. And I, I'm starting to think that Iowa's going to finally go, you know what, we're, we're making a run. We're getting rid of Ferentz. You know? I, I almost feel like they're going to end up just doing that because they feel like they, they have FOMO, fear of missing out. I, you said it in, in a more articulate way than I could. You're right. It, it's – College football coaching is becoming an arms race of sorts, and and they are—I don't know if Switzerland's the best, but but they're just they're just there. They're not participating in getting better. Does that make sense? Yeah, three yards in a cloud of dust. Lutheran potluck on Saturday night. Iowa football winning games twelve to ten. I mean, by and large, that's what they're content with. Fred uh, says the crown hog has seen his shadow. Six more years of <laughs> Ferentz. Uh, friend of the show, Josh, says some Husker media guys think Ferentz retires this year. I'm going to go one further. I said this to uh, – we have, of course, the Coronation Slack chat room, but we also have the podcast Slack chat room, which is you, me, John, and Todd. And I said, uh, topic for discussion Thursday night, I, you know, my hot take – if Nebraska beats Iowa on Black Friday this year, Kirk Ferentz is fired. I'm going to be in Iowa City on Black Friday for Nebraska-Iowa. Do you want me to just, like, have a straw poll of random Iowa fans asking if they want him fired? Yes. Put it in, 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 in film it, and we'll put it on YouTube, and we'll do one of those, like, people in the streets. Okay, it's gonna be like Jimmy Keller. or what? Who was it for Jay Leno? Who used to do that? I I don't know uh, that guy. Funny. Yeah, I never thought Jay Leno was all that funny. I just thought that segment was funny. Uh, Scott says I was so boring they should cancel their season. They should um, just cancel their state. I, you know, the greatest tweet I've ever seen was a tweet that said, 
Iowa is not a real place. It's just an interstate with 300 miles of Wendy's, uh, windmills, and Casey's gas stations. That's all I, it is. I was talking uh, briefly. I, I, I don't talk really about my work, but I was had on a phone call with a client today, and he's retired. And what he does now that he's retired is he delivers you know, goods you know, coast to coast, wherever. He's like, he just drives. I said, oh, I bet you take your wife, too. And he's like, well, if we're going to the beach – we're going to the mountains, he said. But uh, if I gotta go up to Des Moines, she's not going with. She's like, I'm good. I'm gonna do laundry. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's so great. The, the Des Moines, man, longest hundred. It's 140 miles from Omaha to Des Moines. That's the longest 140 on earth. We and have Shane, uh, on my way back. Will I get a beer at that stupid Iowa bar in Council Bluffs? The one that's like more obsessed with us than they are with their own team. Yes. After we beat them. 2620. I'm just calling my shot now. It sounds right. 2620. Are you going to remember that when we get to Thanksgiving week, boss? I do have an eidetic memory here, Skipper. Uh, you do. You really do. I do. You know, and when I was in grad school for educational psychology, I realized that I'm like, holy shit, I really do. But yes, yeah, Shane, I will stop there and I will get a Coors Banquet beer. Johnny, Johnny's, he's man. bringing some heat to uh, this week. He said, well, funny is most on here think Nebraska football is still relevant. Yeah, we still I mean, are. We're, we're not winning games, but we're still a brand. Our, our, fan base, our fan base has kept this program on life support. I mean, but we are still relevant. We are the um, – uh, oh, not the adrenaline. What is it if, if you're in a – in like so I, I, I don't watch enough medical shows. My wife, who's uh, in the medical field – but you get a shot of, um, I don't know if it's like adrenaline or what, but we are. You're a right. friend. Uh, that's like if you're having it uh, in in uh, allergic reactions. I, I Actually, anyway. what most of this fan base needs is most of this fan base needs some Narcan because we're all like heroin addicts. We just can't help <laughs> ourselves. We know it's bad for us, but we keep coming back. Every Saturday. Uh, yeah. Except I'm unabashed. I'm unashamed and you know, how much I love it. Nebraska. Here we go. Um, we don't need anybody defending us, but we'll certainly, uh, uh, you know, tag in uh, haha false flag who says Nebraska football will always be relevant. And I'm from Oklahoma. We have nothing but respect for the Husker program fans, etc. Thanks. Thanks. Haha. And that's not me laughing at you. That's me acknowledging yeah. your YouTube screen name. So we are relevant. Dion, we're relevant because of who we are. You know what? That's big Danny Green Bears are who we thought they were energy. And I love it. And, and this is a good one from uh, Fred. We have two wins, and people talk about us more than the Tavern Hawkeyes. <laughs> well, you know, Western Iowa is the biggest suburb of Omaha. We are – this is a good one uh, while we're talking. By the way, uh, folks, you're doing great tonight, and we appreciate you. I, I'm doing my best to, to get to as many of these comments as, as possible. Brian uh, has been – uh, really active and involved in bringing some good stuff tonight. It says we have several levels of denial to go through yet before we lose hope. Boy, you ain't kidding. <laughs> let's let's. You don't have to go back very far. It was the week. It was the week zero game, and we're doing our. I don't know if I, it's around here somewhere. My my desk got yeah, clean. Here it is. Fifteen and zero over here. Here it is. It well, I don't know if you can see that. Of course not. Anyway, that is my twelve and zero prediction. So. No, we're we're pl plenty of denial going on here. I don't deny that at all. You know, uh, I've always said, I've always said, this this fan base, and I'm not saying like 
other fans. I'm saying this fan base, all of us included in it, you know, me, Greg, John, everybody. A sociologist and a psychologist would, it would be their dream to do a case study on how delusional we can be as fans and also the stages of denial that we have to go through until we lose hope. Because, damn it, I know, like, last year, I know that we're a shit team. I get tickets to the Nebraska-Michigan game, and I'm talking myself into how we're going to upset Michigan. Yeah. And we almost, almost do. Happened, almost happened, yeah. Um, tro from Troy, what's your take on GBR Homer calling himself the Wizard of Oz for Husker Twitter? I don't know who GBR Homer is. so I do. I do okay. know who he is. Shout out Husker uh, Twitter. Um, I'm going to say no comment because that's a uh, section of Twitter that I do go out of my way to not engage with okay yeah. all right well let's get to some of these i have pinned some messages uh from uh, the entire night uh cornhusker corner uh we'll bring him back into the conversation uh what the hell is with let's not tackle and practice and play a soft zone in the game and just hope we are physical approach of the last coaching staff it blows my mind i think we've touched on this a little bit before i know miles Farmer certainly uh, addressed it after the Oklahoma game. Um, it, I feel like things maybe be different now. Yeah, I feel like we're starting to get more comfortable with hitting in practice. So we've reached a point where um, we know how to translate that, transfer that over to the game. We know what what kind of intensity we are expected to play with. And also uh, more on Matt Davison, uh, but it's uh, when that hire was made, the first thought in my mind was, what the hell has he ever done to be qualified for that? Of course, we're talking about the associate athletic director. Um, and, and again, not, not here to beat up on the guy, I dwell on it, but oh, then we have Fred asking thoughts on uh, him still being in charge of NIL. Who's going to order frost margaritas for him now? Um, Fun, fun little side note, but he did, or it was announced that he was taking a position with the collective. Yeah, 1890 initiative. It's a new NIL collective that started. Um, it's kind of building off of what like ABM, uh, Jared Lambrick's collective did. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's good to have as many NIL collectives as we can because that's how we're going to be staying competitive in recruiting, you know, top-tier talent in college football. And that's something that, uh, look, go back and watch uh, this past uh, Monday night's uh, therapy session with John and Todd because John's a big believer in NIL being one of the factors that's going to keep Nebraska an attractive place just for players but for coaches who, when, when and, and John is uh, far more eloquent at it, but he said, look, We've got this collective that's got twelve million dollars in it, you know, to help you bring in some of the talent that that you're going to need. So, uh, again, go back if, if you haven't, if you weren't able to join us live, it's it's in the uh, audio archives, or you can of course watch it on on YouTube as well. Uh, let's talk more about the team specifically. Uh, Portal of Wisdom says the schedule does set up nicely for us as we get you know going into the the middle portion and second half of the season. Indiana, then Rutgers to hopefully get some confidence and fix mistakes before playing Purdue, then hitting the meat of the schedule. Uh, I thought 
watching Purdue, Minnesota, I thought Purdue looked vulnerable. Um, and Rutgers, I, I made the comment on, on uh, Twitter earlier this week. Uh, again, number five heart podcast. Give us a follow over there. But I said, who would have thought that Noah Vedral would have outlasted Scott Frost in the Big Ten? Because <laughs> he's still on the roster uh, at, at Rutgers. But not that we're necessarily getting predictions now, but this Nebraska team has all the potential to win Friday night. All the potential. It all sets up there to be four and three. Three and three after tomorrow night, four and three after Purdue next week, four and three heading into that bye week, October 22nd. And then you got five games left to eke out two wins to go to a bowl game. Um, Got to find a way to make it happen because I think that would be – it is just making a coaching change and the natural momentum that occurs when you make a coaching change. Getting to a bowl game while also getting a new head coach would be huge for this program. No offense, Dion. I didn't uh, intend to hear your comment about uh, Trev and uh, and, and Davison. Um, but while we're talking about coaches, this, this is an entire uh, – subtopic in the comments tonight about Mickey Joseph. And the first one comes from uh, Matt, uh, who's a, a longtime uh, viewer here and joins us about every time. Can you please tell everyone to pump the brakes on Mickey Joseph as head coach? Yeah. I mean, I, I love Mickey Joseph. I think what he's doing here is great, but we really need to pump the brakes. It's been two games. It's been one win. I think that he's the right man to lead the program right now just from a demeanor standpoint and the way that he believes in leading and coaching. But the guy's never called plays before his entire career. He's not ready for the big seat per se. Um, I think that if he goes and wins the West, that would be great. you know. And I think that would be, yeah, he's a shoe in to be the permanent replacement. But – I think that anything short of winning the West, I think that he's content to be associate head coach and coach wide receivers. Um, and to answer Scott's question, how many games does Mickey have to win? It would have to be the West. Mm-hmm. Because I think at this point, let's say he wins four games down the stretch. I still think that you go with the candidates that you've been vetting, the candidates that you've been interviewing, you know, and people who are in the program people who have proven that they can build a program. And then I think come hell or high water, I do think that whoever's the head coach next year, regardless of who the head coach is next year, that Mickey Joseph will be on the staff at Nebraska. I'm thinking the same thing. I really think that, that he is a guy you have to retain. Um, yep. Because Josh brings it up perfectly in this next comment here. Sorry to cut you off there, Skipper. That's all right. Uh, you know, he brings it up perfectly. Mickey is associate head coach, wide receiver. You already have Bill Bush, Vince Ginta, who Aranda called the best personnel man he's ever coached with. Um, you know, maybe that's the way we can get Aranda up to Lincoln. I think that if you have – it's a no-brainer if you have a guy like Aranda interested in Nebraska, that that's who you go with. No, no, no more third-inch and Andrew, Joel. Uh- third-inch and Andrew. Um, 
Johnny Utah is 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 bringing bringing some piss and vinegar tonight. Uh, look, I want to know, like in Johnny Utah, you a Nebraska fan or like? Okay, he says we. we. Okay. All right, I, I was just wondering because your first comments seemed a little incendiary towards Nebraska football. Don't blame me there, man. This is out of context because uh, um, I, I just highlighted this particular one. But he said we can't be George Southern. You're right, we couldn't. Um, that doesn't mean that down the road celebrating wins against Indiana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the coaching vacancy because now there's two in in the Big Ten West. So Brian asks. Is the Nebraska-Wisconsin game officially the coach for a job bowl? It really depends on on what both athletic directors are looking for, right? I mean, well, I do think you, Wisconsin's just cheap enough that they'll go, Jim Leonard, do you want the job? And he is a good coach. But I do think they're just cheap enough because for as much money as they get, they really don't – best in their football program. I mean, I read the articles today about how they haven't had a recruiting department in the past eight months up there. Um, I think it's more Nebraska-Wisconsin's, instead of the you know coach for a job bowl, I think it's the, is Nebraska finally going to beat Wisconsin for the first time since the iPhone 4 was brand new bowl? Can we, can we uh, you know there's the $5 bits of broken chair trophy? Yeah, should we get an iPhone four? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with the crack screen. <laughs> yeah, a crack screen, a messed up camera. Yeah. Oh, that'd be the best. Well, uh, if you have an old iPhone four, drop it in the. Send us a message. We'll we'll uh, we'll get it in the hands of some bronze casters. Uh, we'll 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 put it on a stand. We'll we'll have the uh, the iPhone four trophy. So. I love it. I love it, and uh, you know what? The first step to winning the iPhone 4, cracked iPhone 4 trophy, is beating Rutgers tomorrow night. I think that brings us up to our predictions. It would. You would think that. (laughs) But first, we have one more. I I, I have pinned this one. All right, let's see it. From the time. Shane asks, is this past uh, week the most you've seen John smile? I'm just glad he stopped doing post-game reactions from the bathroom. Uh, I was at his house, and so I, I was fortunate that we were able to, uh, A, not record from the bathroom, but, two, that I was able to be part of the post-game reaction uh, show. And and it was, it was, it was a blast. Most of the time, if, if it's an 11 o'clock kickoff, I know at some point my twins are going to have to take a nap so I don't get to cheer. If it's a, a primetime game, everybody's going to bed, I don't get to cheer. When we blocked – we didn't even talk about this. When we blocked that punt, scooped and scored for the touchdown, you had five grown people shouting and screaming and celebrating in in the home. It was tremendous. Uh, I was one of those five. It was great. Um it, it it was such a blast to to be there and and to uh, watch the game with with other people. Who part you know, she's not listening. My wife, she's upstairs sleeping too. But who gave a shit? My wife, she's like, okay, you know, it, it's it's football. We know that you're gonna watch football on Saturday, and and that's it. But she doesn't care. You know, she'd be just as happy going out doing grocery shopping. So, did John watch the game wearing a bathrobe? Yes, he did. 
And and midway through the third quarter, he put on. I, I know I'm going to get the name wrong, but we talked about it in the post game. That's when he put on his uh, 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 power beanie of Winnie or whatever. <laughs> uh, so it 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 was tremendous. job. It really was tremendous to, to just to be. And and I I tell you, he cooked up a. a Delicious meal, uh, you know, burgers for lunch and uh, the smoked chicken and the smoked mac and cheese for for dinner. Uh, I, I was treated like royalty, and and all I, the all it cost me was a hundred and twenty dollar lift ride back to the uh, uh, hotel and almost missing my flight the next morning because I about overslept. So we hung over. <laughs> no, I was completely sober. I just overslept because I didn't get much sleep, and it was a five forty five flight out of Minneapolis. So. Yikes. Yeah, uh, but that's enough about that. Uh, hey, if you ever get the opportunity, if John ever welcomes you into his home, take that opportunity and go. It, I've broken bread time. with John one time at Blue Blood Brewing down in Lincoln. Oh, the good old days. Yep, hilarious dinner. Him and Ty Peter Onitz. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, so let's – all right, let's let, – Johnny Utah, he's a fan. He's a realist. Let's, uh, you know, it, this is this you know is what? my. You know, what? somebody who's a realist as well, Johnny. You do you, man, because you can't drink the Kool Aid anymore. I mean, I can. Yeah, yeah, Mister Fifteen and out. It was twelve and zero. I think you were saying that we were going to go win in India. We were going to win the first round of the college football playoff. Then we were going to give Bama their worst loss since nineteen seventy one. I didn't think Bama was going to be be there. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, all right. All right. Let, let's I'll get let you to our first. predictions. All right, it's Nebraska Rutgers. Um, Todd Wolverton, uh, who we love uh, from the Monday night uh, therapy sessions, is going to be. He said he's like, I hate Friday night games. Um, Same. I don't disagree, and I hate Thursday night NFL games. I hate the fact that NFL might be trying to go to Friday night as well. Um, Look, I'm old school. Sundays are NFL with Monday night. Saturdays for college football, Friday, high school. Uh, Todd had said that he's like, I'm going to go give my five, six, seven, eight, ten bucks, whatever it is, to a high school because they need it more than the University of Nebraska. That being said, Nebraska still, uh, yes, living in Omaha, uh, John does have the, uh, or John, he does or will have the beanies uh, on the merch store. Uh, Jump that in there, uh, and uh, it, it's worth it. It's it's a trip. I tried it on. That thing was massive. Make sure, probably runs a little big. Uh, so unless you have a massive head, uh, you know, get a, get a size smaller than usual. All right. So Friday night under the lights, uh, Nebraska Rutgers. Why 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 not just go and, and and blow the barn doors off? Why not you know put up forty two points and and hold them to. 14 or 21, you know, it, it worse, crazier things have happened. And Nebraska needs as, as much fun as the Indiana game was at times, it was still nerve wracking because we were de- self-defeating quite a bit with all the penalties. Let's play a, a complete game of clean football. Let's let's, I, I'm not going to say let's show them that we're back, but let's show them that we're better than we were a couple weeks ago. And let's, let's go out. There and win 42 20. 42 24. Is that what you is said? That, you is, that, is, that, is that more than uh, is that more than I credit that I'm giving Rutgers? 
No, no, you broke up a little bit. The connection kind of was weird. You said, said 42. 42-24. Okay, I like it. I like your prediction a lot more than I like my prediction. Okay, what's your I'm going to say Friday night game on the East Coast in New Jersey. Uh, Rutgers playing some decent defense, that being the strength of their team. I think we'll be in a little bit of a dogfight. I'm going to go Nebraska 27, Rutgers 24. Anthony Grant, 140 yards and two touchdowns. I thought the game was in Lincoln. No, it's in Piscataway, New Jersey. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Oh, it is. Okay. Shit. All, All right. right. What the hell is Todd bitching about? He could stay at home and watch the football game, or, or he's like, I'm not going to watch. This. All right. I love Todd, but he's not always right. <laughs> All right. So you. I said 42-24. You said 27-24. So they're both, we're giving up 24 both times. I'm just giving them their defense a little bit, uh, a little bit more credit. Let's uh, let's hope that with the short week and the travel day that we're not affected too much um, by it. James says 27-17 Huskers. Joel says 42-17. Uh, haha, false likes is 21 14 Huskers. Johnny Utah says, I like the latter pick, which is 27 24, but switch the teams and the scores, though. I don't know. Do you switch the teams and the scores? Wouldn't it be the same? No, you'd have to switch both. I, I, I wanted the other, it works both ways. It's all a uh, matter of semantics. Weston pick Nebraska 42 14. Josh uh, says 35 17. I think I've caught everybody. I might have missed it. I apologize. Shane says 2117. Uh, and Josh called me an idiot. Uh, so you know, Mississippi. Okay. And uh, Brian says, uh, Shiana's a good coach. I can see our old staff being outplanned, outcoached, and run over. Mickey, Whipple, and Bush will have them ready 3124 Nebraska. So. And you're like darn that. right, Cornhusker Corner. Kool Aid season is back. It was never out for Greg. No. I I, I, I do love the Kool-Aid. Deion uh, says 28-13 Nebraska. I Again, I, I say 42-24. Haas, you say 27-24. Uh, Living in Omaha says 31-24. So apparently a lot of folks think we're going to give up three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, hey, giving up 24, that's like the new version of giving up like 14. In, in the new fast-paced football, you're absolutely right. Doesn't even resemble anything from the early 2000s. Oh, gosh. I, I miss big shoulder pads. Who, who, we didn't talk about the uh, uh, offensive line play because we didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover that next week. 31-27 is what James says, and Wade says Nebraska by five. Uh, I like hey, Covering his five, five to nothing. We'll, uh, <laughs> that's an Iowa game right there. <laughs> all right. Um, that's all we have for you this week, folks. Getting out of here just a shade over an hour. Again, Haas says, uh, with the triple H. All right. You know, we do really try to get out of here. <laughs> but you guys are so great in the comments. Triple option with Thrash these days. If you could actually find the personnel, uh, Weston says neck rolls for the win. 
And yeah. Cornhusker Corner admits he struggles with spelling, and that's okay. Uh, so Haas says 27-24. I say 42-24. Uh, we appreciate all of you uh, watching and joining us live on a Thursday night because without you, it just wouldn't be as fun. Uh, and that, that's, that'll do it. Catch the audio version. If, if, if I don't know why I tell people to catch the audio version if they've joined us for the video version. But if you know someone who only can enjoy this on the road and where video is not a, a good place to do that, Tell them to join us for the audio version that drops Friday morning. Uh, for Haas Reuter, I'm Greg Mahachko. This is the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you each and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. This is where I normally say, John, and he says, go Big Red. Win the damn game.